0: As I said, we are picking up where we left off last week. Last week we started a new series entitled Life in the Middle. And through our study in this series, what we're learning are, what we're learning is lessons that are crucial for us in order to take our next steps as the body of Christ in this region... And beyond. Now, while this is a series that really compels us as a church to take a next step forward, it also applies personally into our lives. And so last week we learned that in order to take hold of the promises that God has for us, in order for us as a church to take a step, a bold step, into new and greater things, a new facility, new things, right, new endeavors, and to increase and, and, and to that place of increased influence... We must do that by accepting this simple truth. We can't stay here. And listen closely to what I'm saying. When I say here, I'm talking about here in every regard. Here in our beliefs, here in our physical location, here in our vision, here in what God is calling us to. We can't stay here. And the reason why we can't stay here is because here is a limit to there. You ever been there? When you want to go somewhere, but you're stuck where you are and you believe where you are, that's called small thinking. That's called small belief. And I get it. We all find ourselves there at times. But the truth is this, that in order to go where God is taking us, we have to step out of this place, whatever that place is for you and I, called here. And so today I'd like to talk to you on the topic, the next Step. Say that with me. The next, the next step. Now, it's been said that the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. You ever heard that? I mean, simply put, you'll never get anywhere in life if you don't take a step out of the place where you currently find yourself. Does that make sense? Right? And so, as the body of Christ, and as it pertains to everything that God has called us to, called us to do, the same is true. And so our next step is our, also our most important step. This step has the power to open doors. It has the power to break down barriers. It, has, it gives us the ability and it brings revelation to us to step into areas that are still yet unseen but are sure to come. And this step is a step called faith. It's a step called faith. It's a step called faith. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and consider the word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 5, verse 7. Starting at verse 7, it's a simple and a well-known verse. And yet, it's one that's missed by many, even believers. It says, for we walk by what? We walk by faith, not by sight. And so I want you to think about this, that the journey of faith involves so much more than the words we use to assert our belief. Than the claims that we make about our belief in God. No, see, according to this verse, the scripture says that faith is a walk. And that word walk there speaks of a manner of life. It's how the believer lives. And so what we see here is that there is only one way to go where God is taking us. There's only one way for you to go where God is taking you. There's only one way for you to step into what God wants to do in and through your life. It is only by faith. It's only by faith. Say only faith. Let me ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer it out loud. I want you to answer it for yourself. Is faith in God your only option? Well, it just got real up in here. Is faith in God your only option? Because if it's money, if it's people, if it's circumstances, if it's, if it's situations, if you're waiting on a lawyer, you're waiting on a business, you're waiting on a check, you're waiting on this, you're waiting on that. Then let me just encourage you to consider the reality of where your faith might be. Not God. And so what we see here is that the only way to go where God is taking us is by taking the next step. And every step after it by faith. Now I want you to consider Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 through 38. Starting at verse 35 it says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. Listen closely to this. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise For yet a little while, and he who is coming, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just, somebody say, that's me. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are God's righteous people. When the scripture says that the just shall live by faith, here's what should be saying, as a matter of fact say this with me, that's me. me. I pray you believe that because you have been justified in Christ. You are the righteousness of Christ. In other words, this is talking about you and me and we are God's righteous and just people and the scriptures declare that we shall live by faith. You know what's interesting about that? That that's not a suggestion That's not even an alternative. That's not an option available to us. The scripture says that the just, the people of God, we live by faith. We walk by faith. We respond by faith. We think according to faith. We perceive according to faith. We respond according to faith. It's a command, ladies and gentlemen. It's not an option. It's not something that we just do as an alternate, a, a go-to if my A plan doesn't work. Well, as long as your plan is plan A, God will always be absent in your life. Now, let me, say, let me tell you why I say that. It's not that he leaves, but you limit the power of God. So, notice that our faith, it gives us Confidence. And it holds the guarantee of a great reward. But it's also the means by which we take hold of God's abundant supply of, for endurance to persevere to what God has called us to. And I want you to see something about faith. Notice in verse 36 that it says, For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God. Here's a good question to ask. What will of God? What will? What will? What is he talking about, the will of God? See, for us, when we think about the will of God, we think about arriving somewhere. We think about accomplishing something. We think about all the details being worked out and everything's working. And, ah, hallelujah, walking on cloud nine, everything's done. But I want you to consider something. I submit to you from the scriptures, consider what it says. It says, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So which one came first? The will of God or the promise? The will of God. Now watch what the will of God is because the scripture clearly lays it out for us. Verse 38 goes on to say, now the just shall live by faith. Here we are saying, God, I'm looking for your will, but we're not doing anything with our faith. And so I submit to you, according to the scriptures, the revelation of God Almighty through His Word, that faith is the will of God. It's not when you get there. Some of us are saying, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. You'll never see it because you can't believe it. And so notice that there is a very real danger for the person, for the believer who does not believe. Verse 38 again says now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, I want to clarify something here. This person is referred to as the one who draws back, the person who does not proceed in faith. And that term draw back in the literal sense in the Greek means to withdraw oneself by way of timidity So much so that you hesitate to avow, to attest, to agree, and to move according to what you claim to believe. It's to shrink back in fear. And so this is the person that God says he has no pleasure in. Now this does not mean that God cuts off his love and favor towards you and I. Not at all. In fact, what it means is that you cut off God's favorable inclinations towards you. Because in the Greek, when it says, if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. When he says he shall have no pleasure, it's saying that he is unwilling to be pleased in that place. Why? Because it's not according to his nature. So God takes no pleasure when we step out of faith. It's like a person who's hurting in need and can't find a way out of their dire situation. And someone shows up, but they refuse all attempts of another who tries to help them with no expectation of anything in return. In essence, it's really you and I putting a stop to God's hand of favor towards us. And so why is that important? Because it leads us to an important point of reflection. The best step that you and I could ever take in life is the one that you take in faith. It's the one that you take in faith. Without faith, the scripture says, it is impossible to please God. You can't walk in the will of God if you're not walking in faith. And I'm not talking about faith in what I say. I'm not talking about faith in what you've been taught over the years. I'm talking about faith in the personal revelation that you have of Jesus Christ. Faith in the personal revelation that God has given you that he's called you here. Faith in the personal revelation that God has called you to step outside of this thing we call church, which has been minimized to buildings and is a limitation to the very power of this gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not called to be comfort creatures. We're called to be new creations that step out and are ambassadors of the kingdom and bring the light that this world needs in this dark age. That's you. That's me. That's you, believer. That's us. You know, the Bible records a crucial moment in the life of a guy named Joshua and the people of Israel. As they journey towards a land of great promise. Now, this land, it contained a harvest of vineyards that they did not plant. It contained homes and cities that they did not build. It contained immense wealth that they did not create, but yet they would reap and enjoy. The scriptures record that God called this land a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a bountiful land, a bountiful territory. And once they, foot in, they set foot into it, they faced a battle in a city called Jericho. Now, the outcome of this battle set the tone for how things were supposed to go for them. Let me tell you what I mean. These guys show up at the walls of Jericho. And we're not going to read the story. I'll just quickly allude to it because I really want you to see something greater. They arrive at the walls of Jericho and these walls are massive. These walls are impenetrable. And they show up there and God tells them, when you get there, you're not going to lift a finger in battle. He says, here's the plan. You're going to get there and for the first six days, you're going to walk around the walls of Jericho and not one of you is going to say a word. All you're going to do is march. And on the seventh day, here's what's going to happen. You're going to march around seven times. And at the seventh time, once you reach that se- that, the conclusion of that seventh uh, time that you go around these walls, everyone is going to raise a shout and we're going to blow the ram's horn. You know what's interesting about that ram's horn that they were going to blow? It's literally a ram that was reserved just for the day of Jubilee. Now, I don't have time to get into that, but I'm going to tell you that that only happened every 50 years. So it was a, it was a momentous occasion. And so the people do that, and the scriptures record that the walls of Jericho collapsed into themselves, and they had a great victory. But the thing about it is that this battle, as great and monumental as it was, was not won at the walls of Jericho. This battle was won with the first step that Joshua and the people took in response to God's command. Turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. We'll start at verse 2. And it says that God tells uh, Joshua, after the death of Moses, he gives him instruction. And so starting at verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward uh, the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Hmm. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So what we see here is that at the death of Moses, Joshua and the people of Israel had ceased to move towards the land of promise that God had in store for them. These people were not moving. And so to address this, God uses very clear And powerful instruction to get these people back on track. He uses words by telling Joshua, arise. He says, go. And then he reiterates uh, why by pointing them to his plan and reminding them that there is a land which I am giving you. See, these people were stuck in the middle. They were stuck between here and there. And they weren't moving. They were in the middle of their grief. They were in the midst of, in the middle of their questions. They were in the middle of their fears. But God was unwilling to leave them there. And notice that God did not grab them by the hand. Notice that God did not carry them. Notice that God did not do the walking for them. That's what we do sometimes. Oh, God, you do it, God. Oh, God. God. Mighty move of God. We sing those songs that come out. Oh, this is a move. This is a move. And we're waiting for God to move. And He's going, You move. You move. Because I already moved. Instead, what God does is He gives them exactly what they need in the middle, He gives them the command. To arise, to get up, to go, to keep their eyes on the promised land as they took steps towards it. Hmm. So, God's command is all we need to go and do what He has called us to. I'm gonna say that again God's command is all we need. To go and do what he has called us to. I'm putting no trust in men, ladies and gentlemen. I put no confidence in people. Don't take that offensive. But at the end of the day, we're called to look to God and God alone. I'm not worrying about what it looks like. I'm not worrying about what who says and he said and she said. And if this and if that, I trust God and God alone. I encourage you to do the same. There's only one way this is going to work. And the reason why I say this is because God would never call us to do what he hasn't equipped us for. We're about to start upon a building campaign right? You got your commitment cards today, but God has already provided for it. We're about to take on new efforts to reach people with the gospel and serve them with this bus and other things that we're going to be doing, but God's delivering power is already there to meet them. We're about to expand our territory, but God has already given us this city. God has already given us these people. God has already given us the resources to do it. Let me share a testimony with you. This week, I got a call from a friend of mine. Many of Many of you may know who he is. I had him preach over here one time, my friend Marcus, uh, Marcus Gill, great guy. This guy's got an international ministry. I, I, I just love his heart. And we're really, really good friends. And uh, this past week, we, we were scheduled to talk, and so we're talking on Wednesday. And uh, he's asking me how the church is doing. He asks, he's asking me how the families here are and everything, how, what we're doing. And I'm sharing with him and I start telling him about what we're going to start doing with this food truck, you know, to bless the community and other things that are happening. And he's encouraging. He goes, you know, Jose, every time I check in to see what's happening in the church at the bridge, whether I'm talking with you or I'm online or I'm watching or I'm on social media, you guys are always doing something that's amazing. He says, it, it, like, I don't. I don't hear headaches. I don't hear uh, uh, letdowns. And I said, "Bro, we don't have horror stories. We've never had horror stories here at Church at the Bridge. We face challenges, but not horror stories." And so, Marcus asked me a question. He says, "Jose, what's a gap that exists right now for Church at the Bridge? What's an area where there's a need that will push?" what God is calling you to do that much further. And I said, Marcus, I know you, you talk to a lot of pastors like I do, and I know a lot of pastors that cry about money, money, money. You don't hear me crying about money. You don't hear me begging people for money. You don't, you don't see us pushing for, hey, make sure you bring your tithe. We, you don't hear us going, oh, if you sow a seed, God will give you a hundredfold in return. I, we don't have to manipulate faith here. We trust God. I don't trust your finances. I trust God. I don't trust in your giving. I trust God. Don't you worry about offending us. That's between you and God. But I know that we're people of faith. And so I said, Marcus, I know you talk to a lot of pastors and a lot of guys cry about money. I said, look, I'm not crying. I'm just telling you this is the next step we're taking. We're preparing for an 18-month plan to raise these funds. And he says to me, Jose, the other day when you and I were texting, when you text me, I was praying and I had you on my heart. And he says, every quarter of the year, we give away a significant amount of money. I'm telling you, it's a lot of money. A lot of money. They sow into different ministries. He says, for the next four quarters, he says, for this quarter, I want to do something. Spring, summer, fall, and Winter. He says, "But for this fall, for this uh, spring, I'm going to show ten thousand dollars towards the building fund that you guys are, are raising up." Now, watch this. Then he says, "But there's another three quarters in the year, so at the very minimum, we're going to show forty thousand towards your building campaign, towards what God is doing." Now, I asked him. Now, I don't know about you, but that is God is good. Praise God. We're not using that for anything but what we're doing. But get this. I said to him, Marcus, can I share this with our congregation? He says to me, you know, Jose, I don't have an issue with you sharing it with Church at the Bridge. He says, I'll tell you why, though. He says, because I've been to churches where people would hear something like that, and they go, well, Pastor's got friends. I ain't got to do nothing. He says, I know the, 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 the heart behind the people at Church of the Bridge. Because he's been here. He's with friends. And he says, and I know that the only thing that it will do is add to the faith that God already has working in their hearts. And so listen, we haven't even, I mean, we, we gave our commitment cards today. We officially kicked this off May 16th. But we're already 40,000 ahead. Praise God. Praise God. And so... <laughs> Let me just make this statement to you that we have to get up, we have to go, and we have to act with faith. Because God's already there. God's already there. God's already at work. Do you see that? And so the Bible says that in response to God, Joshua tells the people to prepare themselves for the journey ahead. And he sends two of them out to spy out the land and bring back news about the layout of Jericho. And upon their return, Joshua and the people got up. And the very first thing that they had to face before getting to Jericho was the River Jordan. And when they get there, the scripture is very clear that as they approached the River Jordan, it was during the harvest season when the banks of the River Jordan were overflowing. Which simply means this, it is impossible to cross it. And if you're going by boat, it's hard. It's very difficult. And so what's interesting about this is that when God told Joshua to get the people of Israel together, that they were about to cross over this Jordan and go over into the promised land, God specifically tells Joshua that the Ark of the Covenant was to lead the way as they approached the Jordan River. I'm going to get real Bible geek on you for a moment. But the Ark, the ark of the Covenant in those days was where the manifest presence of, presence of God was contained, right? That's where his presence was contained. God did not live in people. And so God wasn't among people. He, he worked among people. But he wasn't in people. So this was the dwelling place for the presence of God in those days. and it And the Ark of the Covenant was special, it was of great value to the nation of Israel, and it was always guarded and surrounded by men of war. But in this case, God instructs the priests entrusted to carry the Ark of the Covenant to go before anyone in the Jordan River. Now why is that important? Because what it tells us is is that God wanted his people to know that the land of promise could only be attained with God ahead of them As they took steps behind him, with him. In other words, don't put, I don't even want you to look to the men of war that protect this Ark of the Covenant. That clear the path ahead. He says, I'm going before you. And so, on this day, the Ark of the Covenant led the way. And the priest took a step into the waters of the Jordan River. And the scripture tells us in Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, that those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark as who, who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflowed and all its banks during the whole time of harvest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. The city that is beside uh, Zaretan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over the opposite of Jericho. The waters ceased. They had a pathway. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground. Now listen. The path to their promised victory seemed to block by unsurpassable waters. But the path to victory could not open until they took the first step. And that was, we're going where God has told us. We're going where God has told us. Listen, the priests in all Israel understood that, that there at the Jordan, they knew That there was no way they could cross on foot. But the priests were not focused on carrying in their hearts the problem that the overflowing Jordan posed. No, they just carried on with the presence of God that was with them. The very one that is with you. In you. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to share with you just three simple points about what it takes to take our next steps in faith. What it takes. The first thing I want to leave you with is that falling down is a part of life, but getting back up is living. I'm going to say that again, and then I'm going to qualify that. Falling down is a part of life, but getting back up is living. As we saw, after suffering so great a loss, Israel stopped moving. Listen, their deliverer, and the one by which they saw the mighty acts of God was dead the very one that told them that they were destined to enter the promised land was himself not going not getting there israel's history up until this point was made up of a series of victories but victories that followed great defeats and many of them were internal defeats and so uh, the key to their victories always lay in their continued renewal of their faith that led them to trust god and then to get back up. It's the reason why God told Joshua, arise and tell the people to make preparations for the journey. In other words, get up and go. You can't miss this powerful, this powerful point though. They had to get up for victory to be possible. They had to go. They had to go. And so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 puts it this way. It's a very famous scripture. For some of you, you go, oh, that's my go-to. But does it compel you to go anywhere? (laughs) Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Listen, Joshua and the people had to trust God with all their heart. Not with a compartment of their heart. With all their heart. They had to push past their grief. They had to push past their loss in order to arise with strength for the journey. And when they did, what we just saw was that a path of dry ground in the midst of the depths of an unsurpassable Jordan River was open to them. What makes you think that's not possible for you? What makes you think God still can't make a way for you? Come on now, I'm encouraging somebody's faith. You need to hear and know that God is the same God then, he's the same God today, and he's still at work for you. And so it is to our advantage as God's people and as his church to get up in faith. Because when we do amazing things happen. Let me say something to you that I've learned over the years through my experience in following God. It's this. It's that trust is not measured by what we say about God. It's measured by where we go because God said I'm going to say that again. Yes. Trust. Trust in God is not measured by what we say about God. It's measured by where we go because God said. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road, ladies and gentlemen. This is where maturity begins to blossom. God said, and so I'm doing it. It's not that simple. It's not that complicated. I have a grandson who, you know, he tries to tell you where, where you're going. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. He literally tells you, come on, come on. Right? He's, mm, I want to go this way. He cries and he pops, and you go, no, we're going this way. And he'll kick and scream and every now and then Papa has to go, what did I just tell you? And he'll kind of do one of these. Listen, I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because that's how you teach a believer to grow up. That's what growing up entails. No, it's not what you want. No, it's not what you feel. No, it's not what it looks like. What does God say? So I'm going to repeat this again. Trust in God is not measured by what we say about God. Everybody says, I trust God. But if you trust God, you're going somewhere with God. You're doing something in the name of God. You're taking a step of faith into the unknown. You're stretching yourself. You're going where God is leading the house. You're a partner, not a spectator. Which leads me to our next action point. But before we do that, I feel the need to say this. Would you join me in saying this? I love love Pastor Jose. And I love you. We're in partnership. I know some sometimes you know it's challenging. I get it. Our next point is that unless we go, we will not see what God has promised come to pass. Unless we go, we will not see what God has promised come to pass. God declares in the book of Isaiah chapter 55 that his word, the word that he declares that comes out of his mouth, that it shall not return to him empty, but it shall accomplish what he sent it out for. Now, listen, the people of Israel had God's declared word as a guarantee that they would inherit a land of great promise. But they had to take steps to get there. They got up, but then they had to go somewhere. See, faith steps are the material that makes up the bridge that connects us from here to there. Faith gives us the guarantee that we can go, that we must go, and so we will go. We will take steps. The apostle Paul was a man who understood what it took to go from here to there. Listen to his words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The decree to go that God has given us is not a guarantee for a path without challenges. Paul's words even prove that. But it is a guarantee that we will finish what God has started. I'm only going to say this because I'm just going to follow orders from headquarters. And I love you. But because I love you, I need to speak to you as you are, not as where you are. I'm talking to your heart. I'm talking to the spirit man in you. I'm talking to the new creation in Christ in you. And it's this: if you doubt what God is doing here, Can I just say this to you with all kindness? You don't belong here. I know that's challenging. I know for some people that's offensive. But hear my heart and what I'm saying. If you are struggling with what God is doing here, you're going to get in the way of what God is doing. It's a tough word, right? I'm following orders from headquarters. I'm telling you right now, man, I'm just just letting you know, you are people of faith. But I am encouraging your faith because there's only one way to do what God calls us to do it's by faith, and by faith only. And so, if we're struggling with what God is showing us through His Word, then I want you to understand that you're not walking in faith. You're not. And to walk in faith takes an adjustment. It takes forsaking where I am to go where God is taking me. Does that make sense? Do you believe that? Well, then you know what we got to do? We got to do exactly what they did. We got to march, and we got to trust, and we got to get up, and we got to go, and we got to do, and we got to stand, and we got to fight. And we got to face challenges along the way because it's the only way to do what God has called us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Paul says, and then I love about Paul's words that they, were more, they reveal a faith that was more than just mere words or casual actions. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I have kept the faith. He says, I have fought the good fight. Everyone wants God's best. But only a chosen few take the steps that faith dictates to get there because it involves a fight. And the only reason why I say only a chosen few get there is because only a few choose it. Uh, Uh. Only a few make that choice. See... Believers, people of God, people who walk by faith, you, child of God, you chosen one, even if you are struggling, hear the scriptures. Hear what we're learning from the scriptures. You have to fight against doubts. You have to fight against circumstances. You have to fight against temptations that arise to detour you. But the way that you fight is by what you do in faith. Not just by what you say about your faith. Paul faced all these obstacles and many more. And the reason why he finished the race was because he dared to face them head on and fight through them with steps of faith. I'll be very frank with you. I do not deny the fact that we will face obstacles. We have faced obstacles along the way as we press towards what God has called us to but I know that church at the bridge is made up of people that fight by faith. I know that church at the bridge is made up of people that stand by faith. I know that church at the bridge is made up of people that will continue to act with faith. You might get knocked down, but you get right back up. You might go through some tough times, but you don't walk through it alone because you have a body, a people, a kingdom-minded nation that surrounds you, that stands with you, that walks with you, that believes with you, that prays with you. And when it's called for, they act on your behalf as well. And so I say to you. Whatever obstacles you have in your heart, whatever fears you have about about being a part of what God is calling us to do and where God is taking you in the midst of that bigger picture, whatever obstacles you see, I say to you, fight. And I say to you because faith, I say fight because faith guarantees that you and I, that we, the people of God, will take the territory that God has given us. My last point here this morning as we close is this. What's before us is better than what's behind us. What's before us is better than what's behind us. Joshua and the people were on the cusp of the fulfillment of God's dream to bring them into a land of promise. But listen closely. These people had to let go of Moses to embrace what God would do through Joshua. To embrace where God was leading them through this man. See, Moses was the the epitome of greatness in their eyes. This was the guy who spoke to God directly. This was the guy who not only dared to challenge and stand up to Pharaoh. He was the one whom the whole earth knew. God used to bring Pharaoh's demise. This was the guy that lifted his hands before the Red Sea and God saw his faith and the seas parted. And so how could they go on after losing that as a standard for their walk with God? See, to keep their eyes on Moses and the experiences they'd previously had with God through their time with Moses was synonymous with them never moving forward. No matter how great our history and experience with God has been here at Church at the Bridge, we cannot live through and exist in our yesterdays. We can't stay there. We can't. We can't. And I'm telling you because for some of you You need to hear me say this. This isn't about growing a congregation. That's not what this is about. This is about growing the kingdom. This is about growing our influence in the lives of people and bringing this gospel in bold steps. This is about daring to give people something they've never known, they've never seen, so they can experience a a God that they've never known. This is about advancing God's agenda and not ours. And so it's time to get self out the way. It's time to get our previous victories out the way. I know if you I just love the way God has done these things in the past. Well, that's great. But the Bible says we go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory. You can't stay in yesterday's faith and expect what tomorrow's faith promises today. But I will say this to you, that the fact that God has been good to us and has done great things before, it only serves as an indication of what is ahead of us. And it testifies to the fact that with God, it will only be that much better. That much better. I want you to look at me in my eye. Look me in the eye. And I want you to consider what the Word of God says in Hebrews 12. Before we get there, I want you to focus on what I'm saying here. In Hebrews 11, we have a laundry list of these great men and women of faith. Some of them... Reached the goal that God had called them to. Others didn't, but they stood in faith and they're written in the word of God as champions of the faith, heroes of the faith. But then in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, God speaks directly to us and teaches us the value of keeping our eyes on what is ahead of us. Verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, because we have this great example and we see that this faith works. He says, let us lay aside every weight. Let go of what's weighing you down, what's stopping you from where God is taking us. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. Get something here. What stops you from going where God is taking you is sinful. If you hold on to it. And so he says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me ask you a question. According to these verses, where is Jesus? Is he behind us or before us? Is he in our yesterdays, stuck there? Or is he working in our tomorrows? No, the scripture says that we're to press in this race that is set before us. But why? Because that's where Jesus is. That's where the will of God is at work. That's where the fulfillment of every promise that God has given you and the promise that he has given us as his body, as his local uh, ambassadors in this region and beyond to bring the gospel, to live this gospel, to impact community, to change lives. That's where God is. And so we must, we must, we must move forward. We must. Let's stand. Can I tell you something? This isn't only applicable to who we are here at Church at the Bridge and what God is doing here. This is applicable to your own personal life. Whatever you've been holding on to that stops you from going where God is taking you, according to Hebrews 12:1 and 2, it's referred to as wait. Wait. And here's one thing about weight, Wait. Wait. Weighs you down. Weight slows you down. Weight stops progress. And here's what God is saying to us: man, yes, God has been good, and I praise God, and I don't dismiss the hand of God, the favor of God, how God has opened doors. Some of you, you've been here long enough that you even know how God opened the door for us to be here. It's a move of God, it's a move of God. It makes absolutely no sense at all. No rational sense. No common sense. The favor that God has placed upon you, upon me, upon us, and upon everything that we do to serve people. But We got to let go of yesterday. We got to move forward. So Father, today, here we are, Lord. Today, many of us have gathered, and those online, if you're interested, give us a call about a commitment card. You can email us at info at ctvny.com, however you choose to reach out to us, direct message us. Here we are today, Lord. We've come here, Lord, because we love you. We've come here because our trust is in you. We've come here because we are people of faith, and we've come here, Lord, because we believe that you are calling us to greater things, personally, but also corporately. And today, Lord, here we are, committed. Committed people, faithful people, and we will do what you've called us to, Lord. We will not simply talk casually about our faith. We will not just casually go about acting in faith here and there where it's convenient for our agenda, for our time, for our account. No, Lord, we will give sacrificially. No, Lord, we will take steps in boldness. No, Lord, we will rise and we will raise a standard because you've called us to arise. You've called us to go and you've called us to into, into a land of promise. And so, Lord, today, we worship you. We acknowledge you. We trust in you and you alone. And we trust what your word says that as we trust in You and not lean on our own understanding, Father, You make the path straight. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that He spoke to you powerfully, and that He met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, Uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.